When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply author of The Bomb in America's Missile Age on Audible, which I'll put in the description, which is fantastic. And last time we talked, we kind of touched on towards the end, really the most fascinating. And it's also, uh, it's also available in typical book form from Johns Hopkins. Beautiful. So. It's, it's a fantastic book for anyone that it's anyone that's interested in this. It's, it's a fantastic listen. I loved how you kind of went in not that this won't be the scope of this podcast, but how we uh, you went into a, all the business CEOs that were kind of uh, poached into to coming to the government. That's that's all new information I had never learned before. But we did that last episode. We were just talking before this about you know kind of what's getting you excited, and I thought the most interesting thing of what you just said was you know we there's always changes between administrations. Obviously, just left right i mean from the dawn of america and things always come to an abrupt change and this is slashed and this is built and then this is slashed and that's built and executive but what you said is you said there's there's almost a seamless transition to how america is uh approaching i guess the space frontier and what you said was it's this july will be 10 years since the space shuttle was retired and anyone that pays attention knows that we've been hitching a ride on the the russian soyuz but you just said uh that's coming to end with an vengeance. But like I normally do, like an idiot, I have now been talking for 90 seconds without letting you say a word. So please introduce yourself to everyone that has not listened to our last episode. Okay, I'm Christopher Gaynor, and I'm the editor of Quest, the History of Spaceflight Quarterly. Uh, and uh, and I've written a few books about space exploration. Actually, the... the uh, the, the most recent one, even more recent than the bomb of America's missile age, uh, it, is one I've written about the Hubble Space Telescope uh, under contract to NASA, and it's called Not Yet Imagined, um, a study of Hubble Space Telescope operations. Well, I am... And the best thing about that book is that the, uh, the electronic form is available free of charge from NASA. So, um, I just, okay, I just found it. Yeah, I'll put that in the description as well. Not yet imagined a study of Hubble Space Telescope operations. Well, I just made a note of that, and that will be our next episode. That's right. <laughs> and, and, uh, the, uh, the printed version of it hasn't come out yet, but I expect that will be happening shortly. But the ebook version, um, has been uh, available for a few months now, and it's uh, uh, because uh, because it's a NASA document, it's available for your charge. Beautiful. So, uh, so that that's exciting. But there's a there's a lot of history of the shuttle program in there because Hubble uh, Hubble and shuttle were inextricably linked. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Maybe we can get get into that in, in a few minutes. But uh, just getting back to the point you, know, you were making at the beginning, we're we're kind of reaching an important uh, point in the history of space exploration right now, especially for the U.S. space program, because uh, um, 
the, the, the program has been kind of adrift for the last decade, ever since the shuttle program came to an end. And, uh, you know, the, and there's been shifting priorities between the various administrations. The um, administration of uh, uh, George W. Bush uh, decided to end the, the shuttle program around 2010. And it came up with a program, I think they were calling it uh, Constellation, that was to succeed it. And by the time 2010 came along, uh, Barack Obama was president, uh, the, the shuttle got a, a, a bit more of a lease on life, but it ended in July 2011. And, uh, and by then, uh, the Constellation program had been kind of, you know, effectively blown up. Uh, and uh, although parts of it were continuing on and still continue on because they have a lot of support in Congress, and that's the, uh, the space launch system and the uh, Orion spacecraft, which is still, still being built. And, uh, uh, but the Obama administration really uh, pressed uh, for private space, and this is bearing uh, fruit in the form of the uh, uh, Dragon spacecraft and the Falcon rocket from Elon Musk. Uh, soon, uh, about a month from now, uh, Boeing is going to take another stab at launching its uh, uh, private spacecraft, which will also be sending crew and cargo to the International Space Pro, uh, Station, like Dragon does. Um, and uh, just one clarification, some of the, uh, the work on the private space did get going under the uh, uh, George W. Bush administration, but it really got going under Obama. Now, uh, uh, Bush's uh, space policy was was kind of talking about going to the moon and Mars, but it wasn't all that clear. Uh, Obama, uh, that administration actually thought, well, let's maybe think about going to an asteroid before we go back to the, the moon and Mars. And I personally actually like that idea, but uh, I didn't have a lot of company. Uh, so... Um, so anyway, that was all changed when, uh, when uh, Donald Trump became president and, um, and, and Trump was quite interested in, in, in space policy relative to a lot of presidents. And, uh, um, he, uh, made what is generally acknowledged, uh, regardless of one's political viewpoint, to, to, to have made a, a good uh, choice for his NASA administrator, Jim Bridenstine, who was a, a, a congressman from uh, Oklahoma, I believe. And uh, uh, so uh, the, the Trump administration developed a, a space policy uh, with, with the uh, Artemis program, and Artemis being the sister of Apollo, uh, with the target of sending people back to the moon. And uh, and that got a lot of buy-in from Congress. Uh, 
as well, uh, uh, Trump continued to encourage the uh, uh, private efforts uh, that we're seeing with uh, uh, Elon Musk and Dragon and, uh, and and Boeing and all these other things. And uh, and but uh, I, I think we, uh, this year is something of a milestone because. There was a changeover in, in administration, and now we have a, you know, President Biden in office. And while almost everywhere in the Washington landscape, you see Trump policies and Trump people being thrown out or overturned, or um, that the big exception to that is in the field of space. Um, the new administrator of NASA, uh, Bill Nelson. A uh, former senator from Florida, former space shuttle participant. He he was uh, uh, in the eighties too. Uh, a senator and a congressman uh, flew on board the shuttle, and Bill Nelson was a congressman at the time and flew on the shuttle on the last mission before the Challenger uh, disaster. And uh, so he had, and of course, Florida being the home of the Kennedy Space Center, he's always had a big interest in uh, in space. So he's now the administrator of NASA, and Artemis is going on. Uh, a lot of the policy administrations of the Trump period are going on. So, um, uh, so uh, America is headed back to the moon, and um, now Trump had hoped uh, for that first landing to take place in 2024. I'm not sure uh, it's going to happen that soon, but, uh, um, you know, even even if uh, if the, the Biden administration is a one-term administration, uh, I think we'll be close enough to it at the end of that time. And uh, so sometime in this decade, we, we will see... Uh, um, uh, people back on the moon uh, by the end of and, the decade. Uh, yes, <laughs> and, uh, and and amongst them will be the first uh, the first woman on the moon. Oh yeah, that's uh, that that's been a big uh, promise. So uh, anyway, um, uh, that's uh, uh, that's important uh, that uh, that there's now a, a direction. To the space program that's that's being adhered to, even even with a changeover in, in administrations. I was I was going to ask you, as you're saying, another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty four seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All this. Do you think that there is that there is some importance and perhaps, and I have no idea how it would be done. Obviously, it's very easy to sit here in an apartment and, and dictate how things should be with no experience in this, but I'll do it anyway. Is there some importance in perhaps establishing space programs that uh, are almost untouchable by administrations because the very nature of our political system four to eight years is such that 
space doesn't care about about political terms. It takes time. I mean, again, Kennedy, even if he was to live out his his two terms, still by his own definition, technically might not have seen the landing of of on the moon by the end of this decade, right? So there's that sort of it's the great quote, you know, wonderful things can happen so long as no one cares about who gets credit. And now is there is there importance in that? So we see with the space shuttle, like you said, intrinsically tied to the Hubble Space Telescope. There's a lot of great documentaries on that, on the size of the, like the cargo and the, the shuttle bay door. And it was it's a civilian agency. But I mean, the NRO and the DOD, they got in there and they're like, you're, you know, you're going to do this because we got to do X, Y and Z. And then we see with the creation of the Space Force, which, again, I think is was an apolitical win. It's we see the separation of the uh, U.S. Army Air Forces from the Army in 1947 after World War II because there's like this is a new a new plane, pun, no pun intended, of fighting. And then as that slowly as throughout the Cold War, that kind of turned into Space Command and we get the NRO, the National Geospatial Agency, to the point where. I mean, it makes it makes sense that we leapfrog again. We need kind of like the stages of a rocket. We have Army Air Forces, Air Force, Space Force makes sense. I say all of that to say, is there is there an intrinsic benefit to military space programs because they sort of they transcend political uh, political administrations or regimes or whatever you want to call it? And can that be carried over into the civilian, uh, the civilian aspect of space exploration to where it, it kind of seems like something that every politician can throw out, at least in my short life, I can remember every Paul, you know, it's, we're going to go to Mars and it's, eh, but anybody can say that, right? I can say Tommy's podcast, we're going to Mars and Dr. Chris Gaynor is going to be there with me because I mean, no one's going to be able to hold it, hold it to us. And I know I'm kind of word salading right now, but do you think there's any benefit to that? Will the military always have an upper hand because like an ICBM program or a nuclear sub program or an aircraft carrier program, they're untouchable. It's political suicide. So it doesn't matter who's in office. They get done anyway. Is there a benefit to that, that if they say, if the military says for whatever reason, the DOD is, we're going to be on Mars by 2035. It doesn't matter if it's President Biden or President Gaynor we're going to be there by 2035. Is there, is there a benefit to sort of the military doing it? Or is that, I don't know, is that a slippery slope to, I don't know, kind of word salading right now. What do you think? Well, uh, I, I, I have a, I have a couple of thoughts on that. Sure. The, uh, the space force is another example of a Trump policy. That's just, uh, Gone unmolested, you know, into uh, into the uh, into the Biden era. Um, well, I think a big reason why uh, why America made it to the moon in in the nineteen sixties, as President Kennedy suggested, was because for much of that time, uh, space was seen as a, a civilian space. That is was seen as a matter of national security. Um, in the early years of the space race, late 50s, early 60s, the, the Russians were regularly um, beating the Americans. And I, I, I talk about the background of that in the uh, bomb in America's missile age. And uh, 
and 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 back then uh, the United States was in this competition with the, the Soviet Union and and uh, and this this was highly embarrassing to America's reputation to be regularly beaten you know the first satellite the first dog the first man the first woman blah 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 on and on it goes uh, being Soviet so uh, uh, so the the solution was uh, to go to the moon and uh, now by the time by the time they got there it was not uh, not being uh, not being seen that way so uh, it was not uh, being seen as such an urgent matter of security because the, the world had moved on during that decade and uh, and uh, there were other priorities that were coming up uh, you know for example um, you know it being the late 1960s there was a, a lot of talk about the uh, or a lot of concern over civil rights and as we're seeing again the issue of poverty and things like this so um uh, but over, uh, and, and so later on in Apollo, the, the budgets were, were cut quite a bit. Uh, but, uh, the exception to that was in the, the military space program and national security space programs. And, and so by the time, uh, President Reagan took office, uh, the money spent on military space programs was greater than than that spent on civilian space programs uh, and that hadn't been the case for for a number of years and and that's been the case ever since there's been uh, you know a lot of money spent on, on military space uh, you know for example missile programs missile defense programs reconnaissance uh, GPS yeah which which has massive, uh, civilian um, effects uh, comes out of the military budget uh, and has military applications. Um, so there, there's there's lots of stuff like that. Um, but the the important thing uh, in, in the past few years is the rise of uh, private space, in my view. Because a lot of a, a lot of civilian space programs uh, are seen as optional. You know, you you get the question: if we're sending people to the moon, why can't we spend it on this or or, or devote more to that yeah. uh, that priority, whichever whichever thing concerns the speaker. And you don't hear that so much with other things like you know matters of, of national defense. So, um, so the so I would say that the fact that uh, we're, we're getting more uh, private space efforts uh, is kind of a way to uh, get around issues like changing government priorities and changing administrations and things like that. So uh, I, I think that that's very important, and I think you know military space will just keep rolling on. I, I 
Well, in the early days of, uh, of space, there was talk. Well, whoever controls the moon controls space. I don't. I don't think that's that's widely believed. But but certainly, there's a lot of uh, concern about low Earth orbit, and and also some of the higher Earth orbits, like for example, where we have geosynchronous communication satellites and things like that. So. And that increasingly is becoming an arena for, for military operations. Um, so uh, what this means, though, is, is, that, uh, is that people who are interested in traveling in space are not going to have to become astronauts. Uh, you know, you can, you'll be able to put down money. And, of course, right now that's a very small group, but I think over time it will become... Uh, a bigger group that will be able to afford to go into space. You know, soon there's going to be uh, a Dragon spacecraft and, and launched into orbit, uh, funded privately. You know, it's not it's not going to be funded by NASA. Uh, and uh, and I think I think we're just a few months away from that now. And uh, you mentioned earlier on. Um, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos' flight in, in about three weeks from now, which is not going into orbit, but it's an up and down flight. We also have uh, uh, Sir Richard Branson, who's uh, he's going to be uh, sending up space tourists on up and down flights too. So, so it, it's going to be exciting, and it's not going to be subject to to uh, government whim. You know, it, it'll just be like airlines it'll be subject to government regulation and it'll be based on the market um, this also has implications for nasa it means that nasa doesn't have to spend a, a lot of effort just you know being kind of america's only gateway into space uh, they can kind of turn to ex exploration so they will put more emphasis on artemis and hopefully to some sort of program to Mars or and beyond. Uh, although, you know, uh, there's also talk from people like Elon Musk that, that he's going to be sending people to the moon and Mars too. So, uh, and, and, and I, I think that's, that's good. You know, that's a positive thing too, because, uh, because we still will have those people out there. Why should we be exploring space when we have this problem or that problem back on Earth? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that kind of answers my question, though, right? Yeah, to <clears throat> to have an organization that transcends the the limits and, and short lifetimes of, of political administrations, obviously it's military, but yeah, it would be private, right? It would be some. it doesn't matter. It's private. It's they're going to go do... Yeah, it'd be Apple saying we're going to release, you know, Apple Silicon. We're going to release new MacBooks and new Mac Pros. It doesn't matter if Biden or Trump wins, right? I mean, obviously, there's going to be effects with trade tariffs and, and raw materials and things. But do you think, too, because you're right, the Soviets were, I mean, they were kicking our ass, right? They put up the first man. They put up the first dog. They put up Sputnik. And the importance of Sputnik wasn't that it was beeping. It was that they had the ability to launch an object into space and that object could now be a thermonuclear weapon. And there was That's a, great. yeah, there was a terror to get to, to get to space. And as your book talks about. 
is there anything that is there anything that could happen today that would be the same and it's and it's a shame that it, it that I feel like I'm like leaning back on it but it kind of it is it is it is how humans work it, would there be a threat to say if China started mining asteroids, could we look at that as a national security threat? Like, hey, they're going to have a monopoly on what are normally rare earth metals, and now they have, you know, literal asteroids of whatever material they need, palladium or, or rhodium or something. Could that be seen as a, could that be seen, or is it going to be less of a military approach? Would it be more private to where it's not just the limited number of people going to space now and like you said it's that's a very small group but it will grow just like cell phones right the first cell phones the size of suitcases versus now me joe schmo i can have a you know a touch screen is it going to be a drive to resources as opposed to like a luxury is it going to be is it going to be exxon mobile going hey there's the future of fuel is that going to, and not that you know the answer, not to, not to put it all on your shoulders, but right. is it going to be something, is there a military competition that could take place, a legitimate, not just, hey, we're going to have a man on the moon, but is there a legitimate, like, hey, we have to beat China, just like the Soviets kind of embarrassed us, or is there a legitimate private reason that will be more than just the token, hey, if you've got money to blow, you want to go to low Earth orbit, will there be an actual incentive, asteroid mining? Well, um, the uh, security environment in space is, is becoming a bit more complicated. I mean, Russia, Russia is still there. And really, when you look at it, um, except for one, it's one or two uh, facts in the security area, you know, Russia is, is, is a second-rate power. Um, and uh, the main reason why it has to be taken really seriously is because it still has all these nuclear weapons and nuclear forces uh, that can also be projected into into space. So, uh, but otherwise, you know, its economy and everything else are, are way way behind uh, uh, the United States and China and other places. So, um, uh, but of course, the, uh, the major development in the last few years has been the rise of China. It is, uh, it's building up its forces. It's becoming more aggressive. Uh, there could be some you know, major con uh, confrontations involving China, particularly over Taiwan. And China has, for example, demonstrated that it uh, it has an anti-satellite weapon, and uh, and and so um, if there was ever a, a military conflict, God forbid, between uh, the United States and China, it would also uh, take place in space, and. Um, um, but uh, China is also uh, also showing its uh, prowess in space. It's it's recently orbited uh, uh, a, a space station. It's actually its second space station, 
It's actually quite similar to the uh, Soviet and Russian space uh, space stations uh, that that we had in the past. But the, the fact they have it uh, says something. And then, of course, they've uh, they've done things like make the first landing on the on the far side of the moon, um, and uh, and now they've joined the. the the very exclusive club of, uh, of countries that have landed a spacecraft on Mars and, and have a rover operating on Mars. Uh, and just the other day, they sent back some remarkable film, which is quite similar to what we saw from Perseverance earlier this year. So, uh, you know, they're they're still behind the United States in a lot of those things, but they're they're catching up and and they are talking about, you know, sending uh, uh, their Taikonauts, as, as we call them, into places like the moon. And, and uh, you know, China is becoming a, a big factor, and it's it's uh, it's a matter of a lot of concern in uh, in military circles. Yeah. So they're, right. It's. Objects and objects in the rearview mirror are closer than they appear, right? <laughs> They're, uh... That's right, and and China is 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 aggressively, um, you know, trying to establish itself as the preeminent power in the world through kind of hard influence, uh, you know, projecting military power, but also diplomatically, which is kind of the issue. That was, that was going on back when the Soviet Union was uh, was ahead in space. It's 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 going to places like Africa and mm-hmm. elsewhere and okay. elsewhere in Asia, saying, "Well, you know, um, we're the we're the rising power in the world. So why don't you uh, why don't you be our friends rather than those Americans?" So. Yeah. Yeah, the Belt and Road Initiative. It's there. Exactly. It's, yeah. It yeah. feels like we're going through, or if we're not already in a Cold War, too. Um, to, to, I just had something pop in my head. So I've had on this podcast three times before Charlie Duke, 10th Man to Walk on the Moon. And he had a great quote in one of the speeches I saw him give. And it was, um, like you said, there are, uh, there are a lot of parallels between the 60s and now, right? It seems like every time we get ready to go to space, I mean, there's a lot, right? Getting ready to go to space, we have a rising power that we could go into a Cold War with insane civil uh, civil rights disturbances and an unpopular war, right? It seems they're all kind of, right, Vietnam and it's all Iraq, it's all coming together. What Mr. Duke said is, um, he said a lot of people didn't like the idea of the Apollo program when we had things like LBJ saying we need to have the great society. We have all these troubles at home. And why did we spend $130 billion going to the moon? And why do we spend that money on the moon? And Charlie Duke said, we didn't spend a penny on the moon. We spent it in the United States. Like There were jobs. There were jobs created. There was wealth created. There was trickle-down technology. Is the, Could there be some – could that kind of dynamic be seized again instead of, uh, hey, why are we going to Mars when we don't have – you know, we have – 40 million Americans without health care. Could that be seized? Could there be a benefit to to everyone to kind of posturing with China? 
do you think? And again, not that you know the answer and not to throw that on your shoulders. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> you know, um, you know, I, I, I agree with what, uh, with what uh, Charlie Duke says, you know, that all that, all that money is spent back on earth. And uh, um, there was a, there was a lot of important uh, knowledge gained uh, from space, uh, uh, you know, thanks, thanks to our flights to the moon, we actually have a lot better idea of what the, the history of the earth was going way back. Um, and, um, you know, uh, a lot of the problems we're going to be facing going forward are environmental problems. Well, we learned a lot about those by, uh, our exploration of Venus, which you never hear much about, but actually NASA this year has announced that they're uh, uh, they're going to be sending more spacecraft to Venus. But on that planet, we we saw the greenhouse effect and what it had done to that planet, and of course that was a, a, a bit of a prelude to us uh, learning about climate change on Earth. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so, so there's there's issues like that. Uh, another thing that I see is 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 that dur- during Apollo, uh, the the budget of NASA really really grew greatly. It was say at the time President Kennedy took office, it was like less than one percent of the federal budget, and by the time it reached its height in the mid '60s, it was about four percent of the budget. And uh, but as, as soon as as soon as Apollo landed, it was cut back, and it's 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 been around uh, a half a percentage point of the federal budget, or certainly less than one percent of the federal budget. So it was effectively uh, cut in four, and and uh, you know, and I say well. Did did all that money really solve the problems that people hoped it would? Um, and I would say that that's that's not the case, because um, you know when there's reporting about space flight, you know there's always the price tag, you know that this flight cost a billion dollars or that satellite cost two hundred fifty million dollars, and you know people go, oh that's a lot of money, and that could do a lot of that could do a lot of good on Earth, which is uh, which is is correct, but you know, the, the space, the civilian space program is chump change compared to what is uh, already spent on the military yeah. or on social programs. It's very uh, true, as it is. You know, um, you know, if 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 say the the money that was uh, uh, put into NASA was say put into healthcare or something, you know what I would call that. I would call it Friday. You know? Yeah, it, no, but that's a. <laughs> it's just, it's just. That's a boom, actually. That's a brilliant point. I hadn't actually thought of that before. It's because it's true, right? I mean, everyone knows the military seven hundred billion dollars, but uh, entitlement programs and social security programs, and it's which hey, I'm all for. I think they're great. That that, that cost. That's an even greater percentage than the DoD. What would? What, that's like cutting funding for PBS because we knew, need a new aircraft carrier. It's like, what are you talking about? That's right. That's a very that's good right. point. That's, I had never thought about that. That's, 
Yeah, it's it's nothing. It's absolutely we're spending like a trillion dollars on Medicare right now. It's what's too. That's right. Hey, you know, I, I mean, because I I'm not sure sort of how much uh, literacy, if I could use that word, there is about about uh, government spending and government priorities. You know, people know that there's a lot of uh, money spent on various things, uh, but if 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 you stood on a street corner and asked, well, how much of the federal budget is spent on on NASA and space, you would get a much higher number from most people than, than what the reality is because, you know, uh, you know NASA is, is a very, very high priority thing. And I would say, uh, you know, get a lot of bang for those bucks. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so, so anyway, um, but, uh, you know, uh, there, you priorities are the way they are because uh, because the defense is very important to people and social programs are very important to people and understandably so and uh, you know it's it takes a bit more judgment to say well what's the proper amount to say explore Mars or learn about the, the, the solar system but uh, but sometimes it pays off you know we have our weather, Weather satellites, for example, which are very important. GPS, just a monstrous payoff to our economy. You know, if 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 everything in space shut down, it would just be a calamity to 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 the economy around the world. We we become very dependent on our infrastructure in space, and we might learn that to our regret a little bit the next time there's a big solar storm. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. I just, I'm a member of the Planetary Society, uh, which was started up by Carl Sagan and people like that. And uh, I just got their uh, magazine in the mail, and it's all about uh, planetary defense. And actually, today is Asteroid Day. It is. Uh, you know, one of the things that NASA does is looks looks for uh, rocks flying around in space that have our name on it, <laughs> on them. So, uh uh, you know, we don't, um, we aren't going to have a couple of weeks to send up uh, Bruce Willis and the boys if if uh, if one gets too close to us. So uh, not with that attitude. You know, it's but you're you know, you're right. Asteroid defense. I mean, could there be anything that outweighs national security and social programs more than finding the bullet that is aimed at humanity's head? Not not just shoot, but at least detecting it. I mean, we are, we we are, yeah. We're walking through, we're walking through no man's land in World War One, blindfolded. And every once in a while, we hear the wisp and a crack of a bullet go by, and we go, "Huh, that one was close." Anyway, we really need to be we're really concerned with the with the color of our socks. And it's like, dude, why are we not <laughs> looking around three hundred and sixty degrees at all times? And Again, I don't know. Maybe that's just. Maybe uh, yeah, I mean, it, this is a bit of a tough call for for uh, for politicians because uh, no asteroids. You know, it could really be a bad day if, if if one hit us, but the odds of that happening are not all that great. Uh, you know, like 
we've had uh, we have we have other other threats to deal with. You know, the climate change is very immediate and and, and very real, and of course uh, the pandemic has taught us uh, some expensive lessons. There's there are certainly greater threats in terms of possibilities of them coming up than than uh, than asteroids, but still uh, there is that threat, and so so there has to be at least uh, you know something of a search going on. Do you think that there is uh, from the the standpoint of a politician who is on a perpetual campaign to just be reelected? Like let's just put ourselves in their head. Is there something that it's just like why the chances of us getting hit by an asteroid are so small? Why divert like funds or why sacrifice uh, jobs from my constituents to go towards asteroid defense? And then secondly, and if it does happen, no one's going to be here to crucify me <laughs> because we're all going to be vaporized. Well, I was actually just thinking of an example of that. Uh, you know, he's the, uh... He, he's uh, been gone a couple of decades now, but in, you know, in the latter part of the 20th century, uh, there was a prominent uh, U.S. senator called William Proxmire. Um, and, uh, and he got a lot of publicity uh, for uh, his, uh, his budget-cutting cut efforts. Um, uh, and he used to give out this thing called the Golden Police Award for various things. And, you know... Uh, and in a lot of in a lot of cases, it, it, he was right. You know, there was he would look for stupid government programs or things that weren't providing that much value, or or um, maybe maybe uh, you know things like like people spending a lot of money on their office furniture and things like that. But one of the things he did go after was uh, was was uh, spending on uh, on this the search for asteroids and uh and, you know a couple of other people got in on that so so uh so it uh it has happened and probably will happen but you know it's i i, I can't you know uh, condemn it completely because you know i think everything should be you know debated from time to time sure you know, uh, um, you know, in in program important programs, uh, uh, sometimes they aren't uh, they aren't as efficient as they could be. So yeah, you know, I've I've often thought about if I was a real snake oil salesman, a real a real slippery con man, I've often thought that the number one industry to go into would be doomsday prepping because you can sell. You could sell bunkers now, and by the time anyone figures out that like the air scrubbers don't work or the gaskets aren't airtight, the, the only way any the only way that you're ever going to be found out to be a fraud is in the case of Armageddon, in which case money will be worthless and you'll probably be dead, and no one will be there to come, you know, give you your karma. I don't know. It's, it's you know, it's if you and I have an apartment together and I decide to save some money by not buying carbon monoxide alarms, how are you going to find out when we find out we won't find out because we'll be dead. It's, I mean, I don't know. Is that just, 
is that more of a human condition then? I know now we're kind of stretching out into philosophy, but is that more of a human condition where it's like, unless it's an immediate thing, like, you know, eh, eh. If anything, you're just going to be made fun of for spending precious dollars on an asteroid defense program. Yeah, I mean, these are, these are tough calls, but, you know, we humans have this great big brain, but in the middle there's that brain stem, which was... Uh, which which was there in the you know the lizards and the other animals that uh, preceded us in the chain of evolution, yeah. and sometimes we kind of react that way, you know. Um, um, uh, Is the brain so, sometimes sometimes the, the the threats we see are not the, the logical the logical thing, you know. Yeah, it's... Uh, but we're we're hardwired, you know. For example, uh, you know the the classic example is is sort of uh you, you you know the worries about the others you know uh people who come from outside uh-huh. or or yeah, or yeah. who are different from yeah. us Invaders, you know, which, yeah. which creates uh, all sorts of problems that I don't think I, I need to talk about but some of that is kind of hardwired into us and, and uh clouds our judgment a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, the same way that sex sells. I mean, you go on Instagram yeah. and you see a, a beautiful woman in a bikini and she's and she's selling AirPods. And you're like, you're like, hold on, I got the AirPods, but there's no babe. And by the time you realize that you're duped, you're done. Same thing with fear, right? I mean, the brainstem is what, you know. Scare ourselves. Yeah, we got to scare ourselves. And then in some cases, it's, it's very real, right? You get a Pearl Harbor, you get a 9-11. And it's like, oh, we got to jack up defense spending. But yeah, it's the there are the. Or we had all those bomb shelters during the Cold War. Exactly. I mean, there's one right across the street. You know, one one yeah. of our neighbors built one. You know, yeah. and uh, it's like, how rational uh, is it? Like, what? Or you have survivalists. You know, in the the, the middle of Wyoming. You know, things like that. Like, yeah, like what are you, what are you aiming to survive? Like, do you like? I mean. I mean, I would. Yeah, I would. What, what What's the? Is it Gorbachev? Was it Gorbachev or Khrushchev? In a. In a nuclear winter, the the living will envy the dead. Like you don't want to be alive. I think that. Uh, that was Khrushchev. Khrushchev, and of course, he also said, "We will bury you." We, yeah, you know, but it's right. But we're we're still here, and we're going way off into the weeds now. So to kind of cycle it back, um, you said earlier, right when we started talking, you said I'll touch on it in a couple minutes, and then you and I just ramble for fifty minutes. You said something about uh, your book with the Hubble telescope. Um, I don't remember what it was. You said we'll we'll touch back on that. Well, I, I, I'm I'm just uh, I just like to say that that's a a, a very interesting story because uh, Hubble was uh, um, you know the the major telescope for thirty years mm-hmm. uh, still is, um, but. Uh, it, it was a, a centerpiece of the, the shuttle program because uh, uh, Hubble would be long gone by now if it, if it hadn't been serviced uh, by space shuttles. You know, and in fact, uh, there's the famous situation where the mirror, well, yeah, uh, the big mirror, was ground to the wrong shape. Yeah, and uh, and they were able to exploit the fact that they were going to service the, the the telescope to actually overcome that problem you know so uh you know 30 uh 
30 years ago, Hubble was a, a byword for failure. It was up, it was there with the Edsel and the Hindenburg and, and, and all these other things, uh, that went wrong. And, uh, and a few years later, thanks, thanks to the changes that were uh, made in the first uh, shuttle servicing mission, it's, it's now a, a symbol of American success. Mm-hmm. And uh, and technological prowess, so uh, it's it's quite a it's quite an interesting story, and uh, and so so people will you know some some people will remember the, uh, the the servicing mission, the first servicing mission, but there was four others that, that came along, and and uh, it's it's quite an interesting story. Yeah, is. Is just another thought popping in my head, uh, kind of on a completely different direction. Is and I believe this was from the Trump administration. Maybe it was from before and it continued, but I haven't followed up on it in a couple of years. Um, the successor to the ISS is it's LOP LOP G L O P dash G. Is that still is that still planned or has that been scrapped? I don't even or was that not even a real thing? Did that just was did it just grab headlines? It was called LOP G. It was something about lunar gateway it was like an iss oh, the lunar that, gateway so yeah. that's part of the artemis program well no so they, that, yeah maybe i had the wrong term going on. maybe maybe I, I think i might have just used the wrong term maybe it wasn't lunar gateway because I, I know what that is is yeah yeah so uh i mean there's been all sorts of there's been all sorts of talk about uh follow-up uh space stations to to the iss try to find it but i think there's and, and and where that's going is is still, if I can use the expression, up in the air. Um, you know, there's a lot of, of thought um, that future space stations are going to be operated by the private sector, and uh, the... and I suspect that's that's kind of the the closest uh, the the closest thing to uh, a policy on that right now but it's still it's still you know the iss is still going and uh, uh we might be into an interesting situation because the russians are are talking about pulling out now that they, they've been doing that for years but of course the uh, uh, america's relationship with russia is, is not that great these days so it could happen it could be that the russians uh wind up cooperating more with china there seems to be some signs of that so uh i I just i just pulled it up um and okay it is the trump administration i don't know this from a couple years ago the trump administration is proposing to formally start a cis lunar space station program and begin assembly early in the next decade it is now named the lunar orbital platform gateway lop g which yes okay yeah, so it was. Yeah, it was going to be. I think it was going to be. Yeah, like the Lagrange point or something. It was going to be somewhere like halfway between us and the moon. I thought it was kind of. Uh, I trust you. Moving around a little bit. I but, trust uh, you. you. This is your area of expertise. I'm a moron but, wearing uh, a, a zebra stripe hoodie. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that, that's kind of part of the Artemis program. I think. They're, they're talking about a couple of flights. There'll be one that'll go into lunar orbit. I think there's a ro- robotic one that's going to go s- in the next year or two. And then 
Then there will be one in uh, into lunar orbit, and then there will be a landing. And at some point, uh, the, the lunar gateway will be put in place uh, to permit kind of more regular passage between the uh, between the moon and the Earth. The lunar gateway would would be the place, say, where lunar landers would go and uh, and then at a different point, you know, people would come up from Earth. And anyway, it's uh, it's uh, it's all rather complicated. I haven't uh, really kept super close eye on it, and there are some arguments that maybe we could live without the lunar gateway. Um, but anyway, it's still an integral part of Artemis right now, and we'll. We'll, we'll see how that all unrolls. And there are you know, some of the international partners that are joining in Artemis uh, are also involved in the Lunar Gateway. I've got you for five more minutes, and I, and I can't resist. What do you think about all the UFO and UAP reports coming out? <laughs> uh, well, um, these... <laughs> These these come out from from time to time, yeah. you know. I when when you just look at the sheer numbers, um, there's uh, there's there's got to be uh, uh, you know uh, something out there. Absolutely. And, uh, Absolutely. Um, but um, you know whether whether that is is a factor in in these uh, these UFOs. Uh, I, uh, I'm not so sure about that. So, uh, you know, uh, I follow, I follow it with interest, but I don't consider myself an expert on that. Um, well, anyone uh, that says they're an expert. I I was, uh, you know, we're coming up on July 4th and, uh, uh, (laughs) um, I was just reading something that noted the fact that there's always a spike in, uh, UFO sightings around July the 4th and, that has something to do with the fact that we have more people looking in the sky. So, uh, yes. but, uh, well, as they say, the truth is out there, and uh, we'll see what happens. It's, it's. I mean, to, yeah, to not, for it to not, you know, light that little curiosity fire in you is just, I mean, you're, you don't have a pulse if you don't, you know, have some sort of interest. But it's also... The idea that it would be anything that we could conceive it to be. I mean, I always think about the un, those uncontacted tribes they find in the Amazon, and I think they found one recently out in somewhere yes. in the Pacific where it's they've been uncontacted for sixty thousand years. They're in loincloths, and you know, whenever anyone tries to go near them, they kill them. And so we go and we approach them with helicopters, and they throw spears at us. You got to look at it from their mindset: loincloths and spears. And here comes a thing with a glass canopy. It's matte black. It kind of looks like a big insect. It's louder than hell, and it's floating in the air. And it's blo- to them, that's a UFO. So the idea that a UFO, to me, the idea that a UFO would be anything that we could conceive of. It's well, how is it going to get here? The speed of light. Well, it's, we also thought the world was flat at one point. We also thought there's no such thing as germ theory. Whatever UFOs are, it's not going to be. I don't think it's I think whatever we think it is can't be correct. So the idea that it's a ship landing here, I think that's flawed. I don't know what it could possibly be, but just like the uncontacted tribes, is there anything we can gain from them? Not really. 
But is it scientifically curious? Absolutely. Why wouldn't a, why wouldn't an alien species come? We're an uncontacted tribe. They're looking at Earth, and we're in our metaphorical loincloths. They're like, hey, look, they still kill each other. You know, not everybody has health care, and you know, they're they're destroying their planet. They'd be curious at the very least. I think they'd be curious. I don't think I'm going to get any truth in my lifetime, which disappoints me greatly. But there's nothing anyone can do. You said earlier, you were a minute ago. You said I'm not an expert. Nobody's an expert on UFOs, and if someone is an expert, then they're selling you something. So, <laughs> yeah, it's no one knows. The, the, the hubris involved with saying you're a UFO expert is just—it's insane. But I've—I've—I I've, had to ask you that, and uh, I appreciate your response. But Dr. Gaynor, we are at one hour. I will put your book in the description, and I will get your new book on the Hubble Telescope, and I'll email you. I'd love to talk to you about that. And um, again, anybody interested in the missile race or anything leading up to it, it's you. Have, it's a highly, highly engaging book. I love it. There are things in there that I didn't know that I learned from your book. Anyone that's remotely interested in anything with the Cold War, I'd say your book is a must read. It's fantastic. It's terrifying. And it also, it's, uh, it's what it is. It's, hey, we're, we're launching nukes. We're putting nukes on top of missiles and hurling them at each other. It really does come down to the yeah the brainstem. It's it's kind of a book on it's a twentieth century take on the brainstem. That's right, Doctor Gainer. Thank you so much, sir. I'll put all the links in the description. And until next time, you take care. God bless. God bless everybody. God bless America. And hopefully, uh, we'll get to the moon sooner or later without nuking each other. That's right. You have a good one, Doctor Gainer. Recording stopped. Bye bye.